Good morning. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 7. We'll be reading out of both of those this morning. Last week in our sermon, we talked about how uh, Jesus was born into a family with a checkered past. Um, his family lineage is given to prove how Jewish he is, uh, but it also shows us that God can take and redeem anybody's family. Uh, the fact that there are certain individuals in there that are not so great didn't add much to Jewish culture and heritage. In fact, they derailed culture and heritage. But here, Jesus comes back and puts that family lineage back on uh, the right trajectory. Uh, there are also people who have interesting lives. Um, they're good people with interesting lives, but the fact that Jesus is one of their descendants makes their family story, their family history, all the more important. And, uh, and Jesus can do the same thing with your family. Your family's life, your family's history, your family's heritage can all be corrected if it's been on the wrong trajectory, uh, and it can be redeemed if it has had a bad reputation. He can, uh, he can use you and and your faith to put that family, your family, back on track and redeem the heritage and the, and the reputation of your family. Uh, this week we're going to be looking at the rest of chapter one, uh, but first we need to take a look at. Uh, something that happened in the prophet Isaiah, in the prophet Isaiah's time. This is about 600 years before uh, Christ uh, came. In Jesus' ancestry, there are several different kings. Uh, we, we say that he is born king of the Jews, and he actually did have many kings. Uh, all of the kings from David up to um, Jehoiakim and even Zerubbabel were in his family lineage. Uh, and some of them were good and some of them were bad. Jehoiakim was bad. David was good. Uh, king Ahaz was one of the kings that we mentioned last week, uh, and he was a very evil king. He actually eventually uh, brought a pagan altar and even sacrificed one of his children on uh, on that altar. Uh, and early in his reign, he was faced with that sort of temptation, which he failed, yet God gave the nation victory anyway. Some kings in the area had surrounded him, you see, and they were encroaching on Jerusalem, and he had a choice to make. Would he trust Yahweh? Would he trust God with, with his protection? Or would he trust the king of Assyria to come um, and invade those countries around him who were encroaching upon him? The kings in the Old Testament were often faced with this kind of thing. Israel's power was waning, and they were always tempted to turn to Egypt or Assyria or whoever else for protection instead of turning to God. And it's just like us. When we are tempted, when we feel like we are threatened, we are often tempted to not lean on God, but to lean on something else or someone else for our protection. And we should be leaning uh, completely upon God. Uh, and remember, you're always indebted to whoever helps you. So uh, Ahaz, um, if even if the king of Assyria does help him or if Egypt would help him, then he would be indebted to him. And so Isaiah is going to go out and try to convince him otherwise. So let's look in Isaiah chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 3. Go out, you and your your son, Sheer Jashub, to meet Ahaz. This is God saying, speaking to Isaiah. To meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin. These are the invading nations around. 
They've plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within sixty-five years, Ephraim will too be a shattered. Will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And that is quite a a command uh, for all generations. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Interesting that he would have that kind of conviction, but uh, in all of his other convictions, he didn't have any, uh, it didn't seem to, to, to mind that he was testing the Lord in all of his other pagan things, but in this, he will, he will not ask for a sign. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. So Isaiah the prophet goes to the king, gives him a warning and an encouragement with a sign. Uh, Ahaz, I know you're worried about what you see happening in your country, but in just a few days, Isaiah is going to be married, and that should give you encouragement. A few short weeks after that, his young bride will be pregnant, and that will be a sign that should give you encouragement. And in nine months, she will give birth to a, a son, and it will be a son. You can bank on it. That is a sign that will give you strength. Eight days later, on his circumcision decision day, they'll name him, and they'll name him Emmanuel. And while that's an instruction more than a prophecy, that means that every time you see or hear about this child, you should take strength because the signs are telling you to stay strong in the Lord. The name Emmanuel, of course, means uh, God is with us, meaning God is on our side. But the big day will be, before he's a year old or thereabouts, all the kingdoms who are causing you trouble will themselves be laid waste. Stay strong, fear not, only believe. The interesting thing is that when they uh, this child is born in chapter 8, they don't name him Emmanuel. They name him Maher Shalal Hashbaz, which means quick, go gather the spoils. Those kingdoms will be gone, and you'll be sweeping up their valuables. Just stay strong. So that's an interesting thing that, um, that God is giving Ahaz all of these signs. They're not exactly miracles, uh, and they're not exactly... Um, and some of them are, are more like instructions, but they are things that will come to pass. Uh, now, like Isaiah's marriage, okay? So Isaiah is going to get married to this young girl, uh, and she's going to then get pregnant on the wedding night. And 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 none of that is none of that is impossible, but it might be hard to predict. It might be hard to predict. So it is a sign. It's it's a sign more than a miracle. Okay, it's a sign more than a miracle, but. It should all be things that encourage Ahaz to stay strong in the Lord, that all of these things will come to pass just as the Lord has uh, predicted, even though they're not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, the only thing in all of this that's really um, more or less a, a, a very miraculous 
a miracle that nobody can deny is that the prediction that the child would be a boy. Uh, and you've got a 50-50 chance on that. So don't think of these all, all the time as just incredible miracles that the Lord has brought. Make, think of them more as predictions or signs or things that should always remind you of the promise that God has given you. Uh, so now we come to the New Testament, where Matthew, who walked beside Jesus and knew him as Savior, is trying to make sure that his Jewish brothers come to faith in Jesus or don't walk away from faith in Jesus. And Matthew writes, uh, with incredible hindsight, it's important for us to remember that some of the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament were obvious prophecies that everybody understood. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, according to Micah, and everybody understood that as a messianic prophecy. But I don't think most of the Jews understood that this child in Isaiah would be foreshadowing the Messiah. What's going on here is that Matthew is reading the Old Testament with his new knowledge that Jesus is the Messiah, and he's seeing him all over the place. Most of us try to make a, a certain a nut to make a certain number of passages that Jesus perfectly fulfilled and say that these are all the prophecies that he fulfills, but it's really even greater than that. Jesus is in every book. He's in every chapter. He's in every story that there is. Um, Jesus doesn't just fulfill a certain criteria. He fulfills the whole story of the people of Israel. And Matthew sees that. And when he quotes a fulfillment, what he's saying is, hey, I see him here. I see him here. Don't you see him? I see him everywhere. Don't you see him everywhere too? The Old Testament is a story about Jesus, you see. So now we come over to Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and, and we read this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You see, he didn't know it was through the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So let's, let's parallel the times we just read about in the Old Testament and the New Testaments. You see, the people in Mary and Joseph's time were also surrounded by enemies, and they were scared. They were fully confident in God's ability to save, more than Ahaz was, but they didn't know how it would come about. The Romans were everywhere they looked. The temptation of their leadership was to knuckle under and just be like the Greeks or the Romans. But they knew that wasn't what God wanted. The quiet temptation in their hearts might have been to think that God had abandoned them. They needed reassurance. They needed a sign. And Mary and Joseph themselves were scared too. Their marriage and this pregnancy could have been discovered, scrutinized, and their own lives, especially Mary's, could have been in danger if it was found out that she was pregnant while still unmarried. They needed assurance from God that he would save them too. They needed a sign. And they received a sign. Mary saw an angel. She heard that God's favor was upon her. She then humbly accepted her part in God's story. Joseph heard some troubling news. 
He was trying to find a way to undo it all, but God gave him a sign, a dream, and an assurance that what was happening wasn't evil and wasn't from man. It was a very good thing, and it was from God. For Ahaz, his siege would all be over, and God would have uh, would be proven in about 70, 17 months. But Joseph probably died before he saw Jesus even perform a miracle, and certainly before his death and resurrection. He didn't see it fulfilled, but when he when the child was born, Joseph was reminded that God was working for Israel, and indeed for all the people of the world. And when Jesus was circumcised and named, he was reminded. And every time he uh, said his son's name out loud, out loud, he was reminded that God is working out our salvation. I just need to be strong in my faith and wait for it all to come to pass. God was literally beside him, and God was literally on his side too. Now for you and me, it's important for us to not forget the signs either. Read your Bible. Read the life of Jesus. Read about everything he said and did. Don't neglect your Bible. You need it in huge doses in order to stay faithful. God gave us his word so that we would know what he is doing. In the life of Jesus, we have the sign of the Old Testament. Story after story of God's plan, God's salvation, and the life of Jesus as a prequel. In the Gospel books, we have the testimony of John the Baptist, the testimony of Mary, and the Gospel writers who affirm our hope in Jesus. We have the stories of the works and words of Jesus. We have the book of Acts, which tells the story of all the works of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, which he sent to finish the work of salvation for the whole world. Outside the Bible, and remember the Bible is the most trustworthy source you have, but outside the Bible we have the testimonies of other people to affirm your faith in what God is doing in the world. If I start to doubt my salvation, I just need to hear the testimony of another believer, and they remind me that God is working in all of our lives. This week I challenge you all to open your Bibles and start reading a story in the Old Testament and find the life of Christ foreshadowed. Uh, Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you Jesus in the Old Testament. Then go over to the New Testament and read something from one of the Gospels and be reminded of how Jesus was working when he uh, walked this earth. Then I'd also suggest that two of you get together and talk about your walk with Jesus and how it began either as a child or as an adult or just a few weeks ago. It's very important to hear one another's testimonies and have our faith bolstered by another Christian life. This world has us surrounded. We're fearful, but God's desire is for us to remain faithful because in just a little while, his victory will be evident and we'll be rushing to gather the spoils like a conquering army. Just stay strong in Christ until then. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all the reminders that you give us. We thank you for all the signs, the signs in our lives that tell us you love us and you are by our side. Help us, Lord, to remain faithful. No matter what pressure that we have from within or from without, Lord, please help us to remain faithful in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.